0: Who's Ruth, and what's the love story about? You might ask, as you saw the heading of this day's conversation. Ruth, the Ruth of the Bible, the four chapters of Ruth, and the love story she had. So, what do you remember about that? Today, being Valentine's Day, a day that um, I used to say we set it apart, but the reality is, I don't think we set it apart. I think um, it's been a reminder that we should buy flowers or candy. It's been a source of husbands and wives having marital discord because one or more of them forgets that it's Valentine's Day. I will never forget the day really must be 40 years ago. I was so wounded that my husband did not buy me this thing I had been pining over. When I look back on it, I think, no wonder I try to discourage these days from being days of deep disappointment. Oh, it's just another day. It is just another day. Yes, it's another opportunity to say something, to remind each other of your love for one another, but it's not the definition of love. And this story found in the scripture, in the book of Ruth, which is really a lovely four chapters long book in the Bible. And you can just sit down and read it. I was actually thinking about reading excerpts of it too, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you the highlights of the story. So Ruth, if you've ever been to a wedding where you hear the pastor say, uh, your people will be my people and my pe- and I will go with you. Well, that's not a husband and a wife's conversation. Those are the words spoken by Ruth to her mother-in-law, Naomi. We've translated it. It's pretty good language for a marrying couple. It's pretty good language, but it doesn't come from a marriage re- relationship. It comes from a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. And it comes at a time when they are in upheaval as a family. Now, their father, um, the father was Elimelech. Okay, Elimelech and Naomi are married. That's the first thing you should know. The second thing is they have two sons, and their sons are Malon and Kilon. Malon. And Killen. they were uh, from Bethlehem, and they lived in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. And the two sons married Moabite women. One married a man, a woman named Orpha, O-R-P-A-H, not Oprah, or Orpha and the other married a woman named Ruth. Now, you can read that right in the first verses of the book. And about 10 years later, both Malin and Killan died. And this left Naomi alone with her two sons and no husband. So she was alone without the two sons and the husband. So she went from being a woman with three men, a husband to protect her and two sons to protect her, to having no one. And she had two daughter-in-laws, two daughter-in-laws. So Naomi says to her daughter-in-laws, I must go back to my own people because I have no one here to care for me. And they say, no, we will go with you. We are going to go with you. And they begin, and Naomi says to the daughter-in-laws, Go back to your mother's homes. May the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them and said goodbye, and they broke all down and wept. And then the two daughter-in-laws set out from the place where they had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But Naomi says, why should you go with me? Are, are you mixed up? Because remember, even though the girls were older, old enough to be married, we don't know how old they were. If Naomi had another son, that son was to become one of their husbands. Like, that's it. Now, I know you're saying, but that son could be two years old and they could be 25. I know. That's that's the whole point of it, Okay. And she says to them, Naomi says to them, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, no, daughters. Return to your parents' home. I'm too old to marry. And even if it was possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them and grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, no. Go on, my daughters. But they said, no, we want to go with you and your people. And again, they wept and cried together, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same, But Ruth replied, "'Things are far more bitter for me than you "'because the Lord himself has raised a fist against me. "'Don't ask me to leave you. "'Wherever you go, I will go. "'Wherever you live, I will live. "'Your people will be my people, "'and your God will be my God.'" So that's the quote that we so often hear in the Bible. So this is a story about Ruth and Boaz, and it starts in the famine in Judah. It starts with the famine in Judah. And if you could see a map of where Judah is and where they are and how far they're going, some of your Bibles have maps in the back. I think it's worth looking at because a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab. The Moab is the kingdom east of the Dead Sea. So if you're looking at a map, you can see where the Dead Sea is. And famine forced Naomi to move from Judah. That's what caused them. Now, the Moabites were not popular with the Jews. So Moses, the servant of, of Yahweh, died in the land of Moab. They were always enemies, perpetual enemies with one another. Moab rebelled against the children of Israel, against Israel. They were pagans. They lived in pagan places. They, they, the Moabites were not um, the land of Judah. Period. Most of the hospitality setting for impoverished Israelite families was common to that time when young men died, leaving widows, as they did this case, both Naomi and Ruth and Orpha. Oprah, Oprah, Orpha, I, I say myself, we're so used to saying Oprah, aren't we? Ruth would not follow the Hebrew God and remain as companion to Ruth. That would have been not the acceptable way to go. She would have stayed. But she went on and she went forward. In Judah, Naomi and Ruth had no men to provide for them. Now, in this culture, it's really impossible for any of us to understand what that really looks like. Like the death of a husband in today's culture. Hmm. What's among the first things they say? Did he have life insurance? Is she Is she settled? Is she well off? Can she take care of herself? Because we live in a culture in many ways like the culture that um, Ruth and Naomi lived in because the men took care of them. But when the men died, the women were left at the mercy of the next generation of men. And there weren't any in this case. God had commanded that the the landowners leave anything the harvesters did not pick up for the poor and the forest, uh, foreigners. So when the harvest happened in whatever field, there was always some leftover, always some leftover. During the pandemic, early in the pandemic time, very early, like spring of 2020, there was a news clipping of an owner farm, huge farm, millions of acres of farming. And they had all sorts of industry around the farming. And he had uh, four acres of asparagus. Now, it might have been 40, but I think it was four. And he c- could not get anyone to pick the asparagus. So he recognized that if he didn't get someone to pick it, it was going to die on the field. So he put a small ad in the newspaper and on the radio, the local radio station, and said, all the asparagus you can pick, um, you can take, come to this field. 9,000 people came. 9,000 people. I always thought about that. I was trying to decide. 9,000 people in four four acres, how much each one got. Maybe it was 40 acres. But the point of it was they all came to get it because it was free. And this is very much the picture, except uh, it's not the whole harvest of of, of, uh, asparagus. It's what's left. And you had to be careful when you picked that you left a little. You didn't clean it so closely that every pea was picked, every cherry was picked. Every ear of corn was picked. Every you left some. It was the it was the way to take care of the poor and needy. There's still, a, and I can't say the name of the process, but we still have it in our culture today. A gleaning that comes when all of the product has been produced, and you can glean what's left of it and take it home. It was legally enforced. It was an entitlement to the immigrants and to those who were marginalized, that there would be grains left in the field that were unharvested. The width of this margin was entirely up to the owner. Secondly, they were not to pick up whatever produce fell to the ground. This would apply when a harvester grasped a hulk or a bunch of stalks and cut them with a sickle, and the grapes fell from a cluster just cut from the vine. They couldn't pick that cluster up, even though it had just happened, because that day, that night, those grapes would be harvested. And thirdly, they were to harvest their vineyards just once, presumably taking only the ripe grape so as to leave the later ripening ones for the poor and the immigrants. So gleaning was collecting leftover crops from farmers' fields after they had already the fields had already been harvested. harvested. <clears throat> the regulations of Israel extended the benefits of the foreigners. So, in Ruth chapter three, which is the th- the third chapter of four, we find Naomi instructs uh, Ruth to wash, put on her perfume, get dressed in your very best clothes, and you think, okay, that, what does that lead your mind to think? What are you thinking about what's going on? Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours, Naomi says to Ruth. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. You see all this intrigue and and knowing. And I think how smart Naomi was. She knew Boaz was in their line of people. And she knew that Ruth was beautiful. And she helped her get more beautiful by putting on her best clothes and some perfume. It always helps, doesn't it, girls? And then go down to the threshings floor but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Now there have been let me let me say parenthetically people who've complained about this story saying that it shows and illustrates a wife using a woman using her beauty and charming skills to get what she wants. You can discuss it any way you want to. These were widow women doing what was entitled to them, right up to the place of overstepping the law. And when I think about it, uh, reading that piece of poetry I did a few days ago about spiritual mothers and mothers in the church who pick up the best for us, this was what Ruth was. She was the mother who, while, I'm sorry, Naomi was, while Ruth was not her biological daughter, in marriage she had taken Ruth on and Ruth was the daughter that she felt she needed to protect, and so she tells her to beautify herself, get cute, wait till he's done having his dinner and drinking his wine, and when he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. Keep in mind now, the kinsman redeemer would buy back the widow's dead husband's land as well as become The widow's husband. You see that? So this phrase, my kinsman redeemer, is very popular to the Jewish culture. And so what does Ruth say? I will do whatever you say. So she went to the threshing floor, did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And when Boaz was finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Now, in good spirits makes me giggle, because my husband when we were first married, he had one regular complaint about me. It was regular, not offensive. Unfortunately, it was accurate. But he would say, honey, it's all about timing. And, and, you know, uh, no one had ever taught me anything about timing. What does timing mean? Well, it's The right time to say something. It's the wrong time to say something. It's the right time to do something. It's the wrong time to do something. I I, I didn't have that. You could say I didn't have any filters. I didn't have any boundaries. No one had ever said to me in my life, Put on some perfume and your pretty dress, and go and ask your husband something. No one had ever done that. It was my husband who had to teach me that. So this is what Naomi has done. She has told her what to wear, what to do, and how to do it. And when he had finished eating and drinking it was a good time. That was good timing. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. Boaz. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? I am your servant Ruth. And she said, he will tell you what to do. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. I think I love that so much. It, it's such a beautiful, a welcoming reception. And it, the timing of all of it is so carefully orchestrated and so Beautiful. Of course, there are a lot of pictures and portraits of Christ and God, the kinsman redeemer of us. Naomi suggested that Ruth go to Boaz and ask him to be her kinsman redeemer. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Since you know this, spread the corner of your garment over me. And he became their kinsman redeemer. Let me see if I want to say anything more about this to you today. Well, I think you should know that uh, Boaz and Ruth and Obed were the grandfathers and relatives of David. And of course, you know that in the line of David, we find Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is a love story with eternal impact, revealing what the book of Ruth was read each year, every year, this book would be read to the children of Israel to remind them that their Lord was their Boaz, their pillar of strength, their trustworthiness, their forever bridegroom. The relationship between Boaz and Ruth was morally appropriate. Isaiah, the prophet wrote, the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. And this is the important story that we see here in the book of Ruth, the story, the full story, the truthful story of Ruth and Boaz. So as we think about love and romance on Valentine's Day, remember this precious illustration of Ruth, who is example of how God can change a life and take it in a direction that he desires for it to be remember having a strong conversation with a woman who had read this story or I had referred to it in some way and she was taking umbrage with it. She felt like uh, Ruth had subjugated herself in an in an unseemly way and that she shouldn't have had to have done that. Uh, she was taking a posture of defense over the way the scripture had portrayed this but I have been talking to several times now in this last month about humility, about the quietness, about the spirit, um, that we have in humility. And the next time we're together, I want to talk to you about a portion of what that beautiful spirit, that humble spirit, what causes a woman to have that spirit instead of the spirit of you owe me, when are you going to give me what I deserve? She did her job. I want to say in my own spirit, I've thought, do you think that Ruth was listening to God when Naomi said to her, don't come, you should not come. Can I have another baby even if I got married tonight and, and, and conceived tonight? How long before you could have him as a husband? Don't come. And, and Ruth says, no, I want to come. I want to make you, I want to make you and your people and your land my people. And she did that. It all feels to me that she had a very good listening ear to God. And then God was taking care of her. And then dear Naomi played her part, played her part in helping Ruth, the daughter, the daughter of her heart, the daughter-in-law, to accomplish what would not only take care of her, but take care of Naomi as well. Listen closely as we continue this journey through learning and loving, through listening. Listen to what God calls us. Read his word and glean as we hear them gleaning in the harvesting of the produce. Glean what God is calling you to do individually and collectively. It's a beautiful love story, and God desires that your marriages, your relationship, your children, and the men and women they marry would be beautiful, pure, and holy love stories. It's Valentine's Day. It's a love day celebrated in America, and I pray that you will celebrate your love day with God's love today. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of loving God.